0: No, that's what I said, we'll see what's going on, it's After all, all the people, we need to be interested
1: in things and find The time has come.
2: Catherine Bigelow!
3: This and some of the other nice things that have happened to me in the last couple of days may turn me into some sort of hopeful optimist and ruin my whole life.
0: Spoil!
4: I remember quite clearly it was 1946 and I was four years old. My mother took me to see King Vidor's duel in the sun.
3: You've got to say I'm a human
4: being. God damn it. My life has value.
1: Babel Alejandro González Iñárritu. I'm a man.
4: Well, nobody's perfect. <laughs> Al film italiano Deserto Rosso di Michelangelo.
1: It's just that all men are sure it never happens to them, and most women at one time or another have done it, so you do the math.
4: Three artists in the presentation of the Palme d'Or: Adele, Lea, and Abdel, Afi,
1: Khayy.
2: We won! Oh, it is not over. We must continue. Oh.
3: Oh, I did not know that. Okay. So it's podcast. Episode 97, and we're sort of dragging dragging our heels, oh I am dragging my heels uh, a little bit when it comes to getting these podcasts out, but well, I probably will resume normal service. Um, we're going to be talking about two, two very special people today, uh, and I'm also joined by some very special people, so let's do the people on the podcast first. Um, I'm joined by sort of full-time member Doug. Hello Doug.
4: Hello everyone.
3: We also have kind of semi-regular Shadan. Hello. We have, what? what is, should we say, quarter-regular Kevin? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and a brand new person, Kaz.
2: Hello, everybody.
3: Wonderful. Um, we'll start the conversation about the recent sort of thing we set up on Film Ultimate, which was the Pandora International Film Critics Awards. I'd like to just touch on those a little bit just to see, because obviously you, you were all voters, you're all members of that, and you all played a big part in in sort of what I think is probably the best critics group results so far this year. Potentially, I don't know. Um, so let's just go into that, then we'll sort of reveal our those who don't know. We we voted kind of a filmmaker of the decade, twenty ten to nineteen, and also the an actor, or an actress, and the the runners up is an impressive list, but we have two winners but anyway so generally speaking I mean I don't know what's to go first what did you make of the of the nominations for that that we got because I was a bit worried it was going to be a bit generic um
2: I was surprised at how much it mirrored just um the regular awards that that we've already seen I was sort of hoping for a little bit more international kind of stuff something a little bit more different
3: yeah I mean personally if, yeah it's I think what it boils down to is what people are able to see and I think a lot of people don't get yeah. to see international films, for starters, at the cinema. A lot of them don't. Documentaries, you probably got little chance of seeing those at the cinema. Um, so I think that's part of it. But yeah, it'd be nice to show you some of the ballots. But I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, Doug. What do you think? Did it? Do did it, did you think it reflected the award season a little too close?
4: Well, I th- I think the the thing this year it was such a strong award season that. When when it came time to voting, I guess there were certain things that you just couldn't you couldn't leave off your ballot from from English speaking films. But I, I I think the the best thing that we did was the directing category. I think that was mm-hmm. so wonderful to see three females nominated, where you know the Academy couldn't find one, that was a and we managed man. <laughs> we managed to find three. Um, and p- particularly that uh, Celine uh, Skiyama was in there because I think. That was so so well deserved. So it was wonderful to see Portrait of a Lady on Fire acknowledged in that way.
3: Um, I think your your ballot was was quite diverse. I think quite international, wasn't it? Um, yeah. I think some people. Yeah. yeah.
2: Sorry, go on. I was, was going to say I did I did try to to bring something a bit different to the table, knowing that you know if I'm the only person who's voting for this, it's not exactly going to get it very far. But you know, it just shows that um, what I think of these really amazing films. No, let's try and champion them a little bit, let's try and think a little bit out
3: of the box. Yeah, it was was really strange to watch as I was, I kind of didn't do it straight away, but I started counting the votes in order that I got them, and just went like that, because it was easy for me to sort of keep track. And it was, the first thing I noticed was like Robert De Niro, it it made so much sense why he didn't get the Academy Award nomination, because he probably got a lot of people voting in other awards, but there's just other performances that were pipping him. I mean, eventually he got in on, on ours, but he got in at the expense of George Mackay for 1917, you know, oh. so it would have been really great if he'd have got in. Um, so that and, and just some of the love for like names Owls was amazing because <laughs> it came sixth like in editing. I think some another one, I can't remember. Cinematography, perhaps. Just weird. films like that really, really close. The actress in that got a lot of votes. But she was just not going to get the votes to, you know, compete with session Ronan, who was fifth, by the way, on the ballot. So, mm.
5: but she was way ahead of him. Yeah, right? I really struggled with, uh, with the Knives Out thing, because I wanted to include Daniel Craig, I wanted to include Ana de Armas in there, but um, the actress lead and the actor lead were so stacked for me that mm. the only chance I would have fit both of them was to put them both into supporting, and that just didn't makes sense it just yeah. didn't feel right and uh, i i had no choice but to just leave him out
3: uh Shadon, what about yourself what were your thoughts
5: um
0: of i was just gonna say that the knives out love probably came mostly from my ballot because <laughs> i'm obsessed with that movie and i put it everywhere and 1917 um so i was really sad that george mackay didn't get in but i did struggle with that too because i love jojo rabbit and so i was struggling like with the actors like Thompson mckenzie where do i put her yeah Um, so I did struggle with the lead and supporting and, like, I always, every award season from the outside, I didn't really get it until I was doing the nominations myself, and I was like, where do you put these people? Um, it is trickier than I realized. Yeah, I struggled with the after Uh, category the most, though. I, I had no idea. I kept taking, like, I had, I don't know, 10, 15 choices almost (laughs) that I kept swapping through. That was the hardest for me.
5: Right. I think at the end of the day, you know, when when we look at um, our nominations and uh, a lot of it, a bit very similar to award season, I think that says more personally, I think that says more to how easy it is for us to criticize the Academy for their nominations. But, you know, again, once you do it yourself, you realize it's not as, it's not as simple as it was.
3: Yeah. I mean, I might, I might, I might send you the, not the ballots, but I might send you the list I did with the numbers just to see the, Astonishing amount of... um, Taylor Russell from Waves was Mm. points away from Breakthrough. And this is a funny story. This is true. When I was adding it up, I don't know if you've seen Waves. It's kind of like in two parts. It's the brother in the first half and it's the sister in the second half. And the votes were like that. He was like battering it. He was like... And then the second (laughs) half of the votes, everyone just stopped voting for him and was going for for Taylor instead. And she (laughs) almost, almost got in. You know, and I, I, was, I was hoping she would, but you know, she was great in that. But yeah. yeah,
2: I sort of thought that film was more hers than it was his, because he he was the setup, but she was actually the driving force. And what was the message behind this? The message behind that film was about um, the ripple effects of an act, yeah. and that was her story, not his.
4: I think it was it was interesting that we didn't nominate renee zellweger but but when you do that actress category it, it, it does actually become quite easy to leave her off because there are so many and i and i love renee zellweger's performance but but even i when i got to that part of the ballot was like yeah actually period
5: of course i'm, that, I'm glad one? i'm just glad that um that uh beam got into international motion picture because i've been i've been supporting that film ever since i saw it at uh new york film festival and I I was rooting for it to get into international at the Oscars. Unfortunately, it didn't. But I'm glad that it showed up here.
3: Yeah, it was on, it was on my ballot. It's in my top ten. It's, it's just, it should have been cinematography and, and production design, everything. Oh, yeah. It's so wonderful to watch.
5: Everything, really. Yeah, wow. everything.
3: Yeah, I looked at my actresses and my weird choices, and they're all, like, at the bottom of the list. Because nobody else voted for
5: them. <laughs> but these yeah. are the
3: films, you know, and, like, weird British... Release is like sunset, which I really loved. wasn't really going to get any love because it was kind of last year in America. And it was forgotten. It wasn't very well received. Um So it was a bit the release dates were a bit of a problem. But
0: Robin, please publish your ballot. I feel like we would get so many good recommendations <laughs> just from your ballot
3: alone. No, it's I mean, not just mine, but I mean, if I send you the list of, I can send you my. I think I'm going to publish my personal choices anyway at some point, but. Yeah, I think if I send you the list of everything that was vote, nominated, voted, D- did
2: Bake get any more love?
3: It did. It got a bit, yeah, but I mean, it started mm-hmm. off really well, and then it just didn't. It, the director was popping up everywhere because he sort of just did everything, didn't he? You know, yeah. mops up his legs and sweeps as he directed and edited. <laughs> um, but it was the filmmaker breakthrough, he was close, but not. It couldn't really compete with like Lula Wang, Lula Wang. Oh. But more people need to see it, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, 1917, that was the most... I don't think.
5: Right. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on team 1917. Uh, I mean, like, I, I actually, like, not, not to change the topic to the Oscar race, but this is probably my favorite uh, horse race for Best Picture in, like, in, in the past 10 years, probably.
3: Mm. I think we should Completely. do... Completely agree. But let's talk about who we voted for. We had a filmmaker of the decade. We want to try and find who we considered to be the best filmmaker of the ten years that passed, An actor or actress. I didn't want both; just pick one. Um, we'll start with filmmaker. We 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 ended up with uh, Denise Villeneuve. And for actress, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Amy Adams. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs>
3: which means we have to talk about arrival, rival, obviously, but. I mean, that, they are great choices. And the amount of people that didn't get in, like in Phoenix, Adam Driver, uh, if you look at the cast of American Hustle, a film I don't really like, but if you look at those four, they've all had a great decade as well. Mm. You know, Christine Bale, Brad Cooper, and Jennifer Lawrence. Emma, Emma Stone got a few mentions. Um, DiCaprio's an obvious one. And for filmmakers, Scorsese, the usual suspects turned up there. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal was mentioned quite a few times as well. I think that's a very good choice. Mm. And I think we'll be talking about him t- in a moment as well, because of his his two films with Gyllenhaal. Um, Robert Pattinson? Pattinson? Mm. Prefer that over Chris- Kristen Stewart, if I'm honest. Christopher Nolan, Damien Chazelle, which was also a very good choice. So let's go to the, the, the Canadian six six films really i don't think you're going to find a director who's made six films as good as these individually collectively however you want to look at it and let's just quickly i don't know if kevin you want to start what makes this what makes this guy so unique for the past 10 years with those with those six films or what you've seen i
5: think um yeah yeah i um i like i think Villeneuve is an exceptional director with actors I think he also, uh, you know, I, I think he's one of the few directors working today that has the perfect balance of directing actors and being um, just the absolute best in the uh, technical department. You, you normally, um, normally I, I see a director and they're really good at one thing and not the best at uh, uh, other things. Uh, I personally have my issues with Christopher Nolan and how he directs actors versus how Nolan does the tech stuff and I think Villeneuve just has the the most perfect balance between those two things and then lastly he he juggles genres really well the, the fact that he is able to do science fiction like Arrival and Blade Runner 2049 and he could just jump over and do a psychological thriller like Enemy all, all the way to something political like Sicario I I think he he really has down uh, a lot of fundamental pieces of filmmaking that can work in any kind of story.
3: Yeah. and it's t- twice he was making, like, he did back-to-back, he did uh, enemy and uh, prisoners, you know, one after the other. And then he did um, Arrival, straight after Sicario, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this now. Uh, it's incredible, you know.
0: It's funny. Oh, go ahead. (laughs) Oh no, no, go ahead. You go. Oh, I was just gonna say, um, he wasn't the person that I originally chose, but as soon as I saw his name, it just clicked, and I was like, of course, like he's just so obvious, and I was like kicking myself for not thinking of him before. But I think, I mean, Kevin hit the nail on the head. Like he's so versatile, and his movies just feel so complete. Like they have everything, like he was saying, and it's always such a transformative experience like the first movie i saw of his was prisoners and i just felt like from the moment it started to it finished i was completely like immersed in it where a lot of times i'll be honest like i'm looking at my phone or looking around at other people but his movies just completely transport you in whatever world they're in and i just, i mean yeah so for me he was just of course like it has to be the didn't even it's like no
3: there's no fat in his film prisoners like, is like two and a half hours but there's no fat on that me at all it's and it could have been like really lazy slack you know because i've seen that before but every single scene bit of dialogue was was meant to be there you know i know you're a fan doug
4: yeah a uh, prisoners is a, a film that i just i i am still confused that it didn't get award season attention yeah. it, it it was in my top 10 list that year and and i think he, he he's shown that he's kind of the master of that slow burn sort of style where you know these these films sort of do do take a little while to get going, but there's there's total purpose for that. And then once they do, they're just incredibly gripping. and And I think Prisoners is a great example of that. And uh, as we've said, like he is a great actor's director. Like he and you can see the the, the talent that he uh, assembles every time. The people that obviously want to work with him because they know that he he, he somehow has this innate quality to get the best out of them. And that that the performances in prisoners is amazing. I think that that's probably one of my favorite uh, Hugh Jackman performances. Definitely, but, and and as well as Jake Gyllenhaal, both of them together were fantastic. And then you throw in Viola Davis and Terrence Howard, and even Melissa Leo in that film as well was just fantastic. So, um, and then as, as we said, like to then go and do something completely different, like Arrival or Blade Runner. the the versatility that he's shown in in just a decade is 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 more versatility than other directors have shown in decades of working um a, a lot of filmmakers sort of find their niche and don't don't stray too far from it but he's shown such a breadth in what he's what he's able to do um and you're right like there there isn't he hasn't dropped a beat this whole decade everything has been a wonderful achievement, and that is something that you you have to give an award like this to someone like that, who's just proven for ten years that he is a master of filmmaking. Yeah,
3: and obviously Deakin's got his Oscar thanks to partly yeah. partly thanks to, to this guy. I mean uh, Roger Deakins is an interesting one because he worked with him a few times. Prisoners is a good example of. I think it got an Oscar I an mean, Oscar nomination for cinematography. Mm. I, I'd have to mm. look it up but when you watch that film that is like subtle cinematography at its very best you know and then because all the way through it's just the camera does exactly what needs to do constantly moving slowly and then at the end when i don't know if you haven't seen it i won't spoil it but oh i mean that scene is astonishing because you're not quite sure what's going to happen with Johanny hansen as well god rest his soul his music No, so this is these collaborators, like you said, people want to work with him. He was collaborating with sort of the best in the game at the, at the time. Um, Johansson sadly was not nominated for Arrival rival because of a a, a ridiculous, uh. because of one piece of music, Max Richter's music, that confused the academy. They didn't know if that was him or not. It's, it's ridiculous because that was the best score of the year in my opinion for Arrival, which we will come to. Uh, Cass, you were going to say something, sorry. Yeah, just that
2: across all these different styles of films that he's made so well, it's really the human angle that that shines out across all of them. You know, it's really about the humanity of the people that he's showing, and that's what makes them so gripping. The only one I'm not so much a fan of is Sicario. But all of the others, um, yeah, I really love. But that one just sort of stuck in my throat a little bit.
5: Well that'd be an interesting discussion, uh, 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 when we get there. I I'd like to know what, what your uh what your equips with it are. We can go there now
3: if you want. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, it just seemed so um so Emily Blunt is supposed to be like she, she's sort of brought in, she's supposed to have some sort of skills and you and know, she's like a special character. We'll bring here and she'll make everything great again. And then she didn't really didn't do anything the whole film. It sort of wasn't about she just seemed very passive. Um as a character and it just sort of bugged me throughout so that's why it didn't really sit that so well with me maybe i need to give it a rewatch and go back in with an open mind but but all of the others yeah you
5: know yeah. you know i had the same exact issue that, that you mentioned with emily blunt's character um rewatching it the second time it actually really did help when when oh. i start to understand that um her character is really just a vessel for the audience to observe and it's it becomes clearer to me that it is completely intentional that she's passive because she's it's out of her control it's it's out of our control when we watch how this how this uh mission of theirs how it unfolds and everyone everything's terrible it, everyone's a terrible person everything's horrible and there's nothing we can do about it that's kind of the tone and mm-hmm. <laughs> approach of sicario and and when you, when i saw it the second time i really Realize that it's completely intentional from from start to finish. Now, whether or not you like that uh two hours or more in just misery, that 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 that's a different. <laughs> <laughs> this may seem like a stretch, but when I saw Sicario the second time, I actually drew some parallels between Emily Blunt's character and uh, Tommy Lee Jones's character in No Country for Old Men. They they both seemed like characters who. Felt like they had the power to change things for good, but then they kind of just passively leave and they acknowledge that the system is so messed up and the violence and yeah, it's beyond their control. I, I don't know. That was a parallel I drew the the second time.
3: Yeah, like the border scene, she's almost like she's an observant, want to be part of this, but she she's forced to be a part of it, with, you know with what happens in that scene. What
0: the fuck are we doing? <sighs>
3: Has anyone seen? It, has anyone seen the, the film from 2010 on Sunday? The nope. film made in Canada, well, Middle East Canadian. Um, Kevin, have you seen it? <laughs> I,
5: I knew I knew someone was going to ask me that, about it, and I, I actually I actually told myself that <laughs> I'm going to watch it this weekend. <laughs> okay. Because uh, I I actually um, I've been putting so many lists together. I've been falling behind on my decade list, so I've been playing catch up for like the past. Three months and and incendies has been on my watch list for for even longer than that So okay. I apologize for not having seen it. I'm <laughs> actually so the only thing I can say about it is I've heard from a lot of you'll know fans that um They actually prefer his non science fiction films over his science fiction films and their main uh, the main example they use is incendies so that really gave me an incentive to want to watch it. I haven't seen it yet, though. <laughs> I will soon.
3: Well, it's I've not published my decade ten. I mean, I've been I was nagging the rest of the film out of me team to get your <laughs> bloody thing to me, and then I don't even do mine. It's like March now. But I will, and and this film is in it. And yeah. This film is in the ten. Um, I'm not going to talk about it too much if you haven't seen it. None of you have seen it, but it's it's an extraordinary film. I think you'll still benefit from because it's kind of native more native to him than any of his other films, apart of the Middle East side of it. But I think you can, you'll still benefit if you've seen all his other films and go back and watch it. I think you'll still see, you know, the same sort of style, like Prisoners, you know, that kind of intense. Um, so I won't talk about it, but I will say it's it's a film you have to see. If you've seen The 5 from the decade, this one you should see, absolutely. This is the best of the six. And that's saying something
5: yeah that mm. that that's that's what I've heard i yes, I have seen the other five of his films in a decade and mm. and yeah, uh, the one I have not seen is what a few fans have said is his best film, so now you're you're the you're you're another one
3: <laughs> and you might think that when you go back and say oh actually yeah he does do it does do grounded thrillers yeah, maybe up in space you know so
1: Masaya! Masaya! You <laughs> Pensi c- <sighs>
3: Let's do a bit of sci-fi then. I mean, when you say sci-fi- science fiction, I know he's, he's, he's always said he wanted to make science fiction eventually. But these are typical science fiction as well. We mentioned the human element. Kaz mentioned it. His you know. science fiction films, the, the, the two he made, really, are still very human down to earth, excuse the point.
4: Mm.
3: I mean, let's start with you know, Blade Runner. What do we think of Blade Runner 2049?
4: I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> Will I, I, will I <laughs> yeah oh yeah 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 but it, it, it's one of those when i really love something it's hard to kind of verbalize it because i i wasn't a huge fan of the original i know it's this it has that kind of cult status and it, it is it is a great film um but i wasn't one of these like fans ravenous for this sequel um but in in my mind it 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 outdoes everything the original does while still expanding on what came before but taking completely different directions expanding on the origins of the story you know blazing its own path it it does everything sequel is supposed to do you know it, it, it appeases uh the the fans of the original while creating something completely unique and different and as as visually stunning as it is you're right it is ultimately about the human elements in that and I know a lot of people were kind of put off because it is a real slow burn movie, but it it, it it's purposely paced like that. It, 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 everything he does is done with purpose. There's nothing there that's that's just, you know, stretching time. Everything in that film makes perfect sense once you get to the end of it. And, I mean, visually it's just it, – it it takes my breath away. What Deakins did – I know there's a lot of that sentiment that it was a career achievement winning that Oscar, but I think – it's just some of those the moments are just so visually stunning.
3: If he hadn't won for that, even if that was his first nomination ever, I think there would have been a, a bit of an outcry. You know? Mm. Uh, mm. was, it's, you know, could. Do, I mean, I don't think I'm ever going to do this, but you could put that on and just turn the sound off. I'm yeah. just, just going to look yeah. at this film. And mm. I mean, Ryan Gosling doesn't really speak anyway, so it doesn't matter. He, 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 <laughs> he, he doesn't really speak, now, does he? He doesn't really speak. He must go watch and go, is there any lines? Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm not interested, mate. Uh, uh,
0: (laughs) it's interesting because when i did watch wait and i've had this reaction with i think um all of the villanova movies that i movies that i've seen but i did kind of have that feeling of like where is this going and it was kind of slow and i was a little bit like okay, what's gonna happen here but then when it ended i couldn't stop thinking about it and i feel like i still feel that way and for me and i wrote this in my top 10 list for filmotomy, but whenever i decide if i really love a movie it always comes down to me it's like can i stop is it still something that's on my mind after i've seen mm. it? and i think that that's a common theme across his filmography for me is like once i've seen a denevo new movie it sticks like i will always think back to those characters and those scenes and um blade runner was that way for me as well like just the ending like i just keep coming back to it over and over
3: Yeah. Two, two th- quick things I loved about this film was the score mm. kind of, ha- was a hat tip to the Vangelis original score as well in places. I thought that was amazing, especially at the, 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 the end, the fight at the end. And also Sylvia Hawkes, it, it, for me, is the best thing in this film. She's just fantastic.
1: You tiny thing. In the face of the fabulous new, your only thought is to kill it. (sighs) For fear of great change, you can't hold the tide with a broom. Except that I did. Where is he? You're so sure. Because he told you. Because we never
5: lie. Tell Mr. Wallace you tried to shoot me first, so I had to kill you. I remember seeing Blade Runner twenty forty nine for the first time in theaters, and I remember thinking to myself uh, around the midpoint of the film, I I said to myself, "Wow, I love this film so much, and Harrison Ford hasn't even shown up yet." (laughs) Of course, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And then uh, the so uh, comparing to the original, that's a very interesting. Thing. I did that experiment myself uh, much later so when, when 2049 came out on home video, I, um, I showed it to my sister so we watched the original Blade Runner and as well as a 2049 we watched them back to back and so that gave me a chance to really compare the two to see how they fare and I, I, I think it, uh, yeah it, it's been said already it's a, it's a perfect sequel it expands on the ideas of the original while being totally different in terms of tone in terms of visuals you mentioned the score but the the score not only pays homage to the original but also sounds more chaotic it's much more noisy and it really fits how 2049 looked versus how 2019 looked in the original blade runner Mm -hmm. the original blade runner did have that dreamy effect and this one intentionally lost all of that right so um as for which one i prefer i actually don't know because there are certain days where i prefer how 2049 expands those ideas but on certain days i still think the original one has a bigger emotional punch in the last 30 minutes so i don't know it's more like a which one's my favorite today kind of thing yeah which one but um last oh it's that one right right exactly but but at the end of the day when i think about blade runner 2049 all all i can think about is how it it, it's a product of a filmmaker who loves the original just as much Mm -hmm. as i do you know and and to see that love and passion translate almost perfectly into a sequel i i think that's one of them i think that's a miracle really like we we almost never get that um so i think it's a film that we definitely need to treasure and a lot of that uh credit needs to go to denis villeneuve who who has that passion who has that love he says he says the phrase i deeply love it a lot in his interviews and and you can tell when he's interviewed about Blade Runner twenty forty nine, how much he deeply loves the original Blade Runner. Really? And I think he, he was he was probably the most qualified filmmaker to do it. I remember when they first announced that he was going to do it and I, I think it came right after the um pretty soon after the reception to Arrival. And since Arrival is one of my all time favorite films this decade, I, I knew that Blade Runner was in good hands. Yeah. We yep.
3: haven't been, we haven't really talked about enemy unfortunately. Which, time-wise, I mean, it's my least favorite, but I'm not going to say I don't like it. I do like it, and as Shadan said about thinking about film afterwards, that is a film I was like, "What? Hang on a second, what? You know, the, there's a spider in it. I don't know if anyone's seen it, but um, I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to spoil it for you. Um, I don't think I can spoil it for you because you wouldn't believe me. But it's it's still a very fine film, you know. Like, and <laughs> um very good at being like a confused, isolated man. Well, two men. Anyway, I'm not going to say more about that film. Does anyone else like that film? I quite like yes. it. it was uh, actually, wild.
5: Uh, yeah. You're lying to me. You're
4: acting crazy.
1: I'm not crazy. Who was on the phone?
4: I told you it was a man who was on the phone. Are you seeing her? Helen, I don't wanna get into this.
1: Are you seeing her again?
4: I think you need to get some meat. Let's go get some meat, And then
1: I don't wanna get anything! It was a man!
4: It was a man! What do
3: you
5: think it
4: was? A jealous husband?
5: Yeah.
3: So I think we've talked about all of his films, haven't we? Um let's have a look. Oh no, wait a minute. We haven't really talked about arrival. Mm. Which is a good segue to our actress. <laughs> now, <laughs> This is one, I know she had about the the director when we made our selections and we didn't, I didn't think of Amy Adams and as soon as I started seeing her name pop up, I was like, I actually felt quite bad and I started thinking, well actually she, she's made not, I wouldn't say her films are always consistently brilliant, but uh, she puts everything into these uh. films and she seems to do it without breaking sweat and I've watched a lot of interviews just the last couple of days and... She's so sure of herself about being arrogant and the acting is this and real life is this and she tries to separate them. And anyway, I found that fascinating. I mean, we'll, should we start with uh, dog?
4: Yeah, I what, think... What do you make of this? We look at her decade and, and it is a lot of different films. And yeah, you're right. Like the, something like Batman versus Superman is obviously not a great film, but... She's often the best element of any film that she's in, um, and you're like there is that kind of Meryl Streep quality where it just everything she does seems so natural. Um, it, it, you don't ever watch her and feel like she's acting, if that makes sense. You know, she she really does have that innate quality to inhabit characters so naturally, no matter what kind of film it is or what kind of character she's she's a very very versatile performer. Um, and I, and I know it's outside of this decade, but for someone to be able to do something like Enchanted, where it is such a, on its surface, a fluffy Disney film, but she still found a way to make that performance something special, and then be able to do something like Arrival or *Um*, The Master, where it's just a completely different shift in, in what she's offering. She's, she's so uh, wonderful to watch. Whenever I, I hear that she's going to be in something i know i will watch it you know you know uh, coming up this year we've got the woman in the window which doesn't look like a good film it looks Mm -hmm. quite the fact that it's been delayed obviously suggests that there's something wrong with it but it still could be a great performance from her um and and she's so consistent in that that you know you're you're going to be in for a great performance no matter what the film is um mm -hmm. And I think Big Eyes is a great example as well. It is, it is, it's quite a, a, di- a disappointing film, but she was still fantastic in it.
3: Yeah, I think her, her Oscar chances, she doesn't get <laughs> put in best lead. I don't know if um, people don't think she's a good lead. She can carry a film and she doesn't really get recognition for her lead performances. Uh, Big Eyes was, was probably a film, a performance that suffered because of the film. Mm. Plus they don't you know, really like Tim Burton, you know, as a non-technical aspect. And this was kind of like the most Tim Burton film. Mm. You'll see.
1: I play Margaret Keane, who um, is a painter. And as we find her is leaving her husband, she's just going to be a single mother in San Francisco, declaring herself as an artist. And she's very scared and, um, but hopeful. And she meets this uh, charming fella named Walter Keane. She kind of can't believe he's interested in her. And he has these wonderful ideas about how to sell paintings. And through a misunderstanding, he claims one of her paintings as his own. And sort of the lie starts to run away with him. And then she gets embroiled in this lie. And um, that's where we sort of start
3: the descent. There's a scene I remember when she calls him out for his older paintings. And she's just sort of stood there the painting behind her to so christoph waltz just saying like just casually but her heart's broken you can see it but she, she's just talking to him so so calmly and he's freaking out and it's like that, that that would have been an oscar clip
5: if you ask me to think about big eyes right now all i could think about is how crazy christoph waltz was in that film and but then when you look past that you you remember oh no A- amy adams did, did an exceptional job uh uh really portraying uh, margaret king's uh, personal conflict and yeah at the very end her determination and and her standing firm on but she kept that call, you she's know, the one who yeah. painted it yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. exactly uh, so i didn't mind big eyes i actually think it's one of the better films that tim burton has directed recently <laughs> so uh, <laughs> i'm not yeah. is it <laughs> you think it's
3: better than back shadows <laughs> yeah um, uh kaz What's
2: your yeah. I'm I'm looking at this picture of the Muppets and just like, like, how serious is this podcast? Can I just like gush over the Muppets for a second? Yeah, Yeah, 2011. I, I just um I love the scene where she's she's um, she's really sad because her fiance has left her, and she goes out to a restaurant and has a me party, and she sings this little song about um being by herself, <laughs> and it's just. And all the lights come, and I just love the Muppets. So, um, I, yeah, she loves but, <laughs> the musicals, do not she? Yeah, yeah, it's, it, 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 like you know, her singing and that—you know—it's a silly song, but um, <laughs> it was great. Um, and the—I don't think anybody can not act brilliantly with Muppets because they just bring everything. They're just so wonderful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but fast-forwarding to something a little, um, a little more serious. Um, so I haven't, so I'm going to these... there's quite a few of them I haven't actually seen, so I feel like I'm missing out on quite a few of these. Um, Vice um, was fine, I don't think she had a lot to do in that. No. Um,
3: no.
0: Yeah.
3: She was good, I mean, she, yeah, she was, like did what she needed to do to get that support and action domination. So yeah. we're all bitch and again. Mm. <laughs> I, know,
0: I mean, it? that goes to the power of Amy Adams, though, that she made me care about Linda. Like, I mean, if that doesn't tell you how good of an actress she is, I don't know what will. And I think that's the common thread for me, for Amy, is, like, all, all of her characters feel like real people, whether they're real people or not. I mean, I think, along with what you were saying about Denis O'Neill, like, she brings so much humanity to all of her characters, in my opinion. And she's just such a joy to watch. I think she's so, like, magnetic um, in a way that few people are. And she's definitely, in my opinion, um... Like the very good best thing about, you know, movies that I don't necessarily like. And I will always go to Bat for Nocturnal Animals. I know lots of people have um not nice things to say about that movie, but I <laughs> love that movie and she's so good in it and um and she and I know this is not a movie, but Sharp Objects, she was so good in Sharp Objects, like mm. Mm. I honestly I can't think of a bad Amy Adams performance. Like I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I just feel like she's good in everything. I don't have ever seen a performance of her where I felt disappointed.
4: No.
5: I don't, uh, I agree with you in that there's no bad Amy Adams performance. There's only, there are only films where the script never, does not work in her favor. And I, I'm referring to uh, her playing Lois Lane in Man of Steel, yeah. <laughs> Justice League, Batman v Superman. It's not so much of Amy Adams giving in a, a bad performance. It's more of how uh, the problems and how the script writes Lois Lane and her chemistry with Clark and you know, that, that kind of stuff.
4: Yeah, I think the, the three DC films just had no idea what to do with Amy Adams. I don't think um, Zack Snyder or Joss Whedon knew how to get that performance out of her. Well, not Joss Whedon, I suppose, because he didn't actually direct her. But certainly Zack Snyder proved that with such a stacked cast, he is not an actor's director. He He does not know how to handle that properly. And the, and the script is obviously, yeah, a big problem with that. You have to give her the, the well-written characters and the great dialogue to really make her performance come alive. But even when she doesn't have that, I mean, she you can tell in those DC movies that she is trying her hardest <laughs> mm-hmm. to right. elevate yes, those films mm-hmm. to something else absolutely. that she's just let down at every turn. And yet she still manages to pull out something from, from those films yeah right.
0: listen you right. know what yeah, amy agreed. wanted her pay. she wanted her superhero paycheck and that's yeah. fine i
4: don't blame her for it i'm like get your money amy,
0: so you can go off to do sharp objects or something like
4: exactly I have you know no very, true. That. very
5: true very
3: true she mentioned muppets as well that was between two um the fighter and um the master you know two films she got nominated for uh well, this is the time when she was like the the best supporting actress in the business. You know, back to my point about not being classed as a, as a lead. Mm. Um, I'm going to go back to 2005 Junebug, which mm. which is which I still think is her best performance. Yeah. Um, it's incredible what she does in that film. She's so sparky, and then I'm not going to spoil it, but then she's something else, and she breaks your heart. And even in something like the what is it the Museum film, where she plays the oh, what's it Amelia Earhart. Yeah. She Erhard. even, brings, <laughs> she even brings a bit of a bit of light to that, you know. I, mean, I watched <laughs> it with my kids. I'm not a fan, but I watched it, and and she brings a bit of light to that, you
5: know. And oh yeah,
3: I don't expect that script to be, but she does these things, and I don't think she really cares what people think, you know. I, she just does that, and then she'll go and do with the master, you know, and. That's part of what makes it great, I think, that she can be in a film kids can watch. And then she can be in a film where, right, kids get to bed, because this is... I don't even understand it, so you gonna understand it.
1: <laughs> And this is where we are at. At the lowest level. To have to explain ourselves. For what? For what we do, we have to grovel. The only way to defend ourselves is to attack. If we don't do that, we will lose every battle that we're engaged in. We will never dominate our environment the way we should unless we attack.
5: You know, if we're going to go back to uh, older films uh, before this decade, I want to give a shout out to what I think is one of Amy Adams' best performance. And it is uh, her performance in Doubt.
2: Yes. I think (laughs) Doubt
5: is an incredibly underrated film. It's three exceptional performances, an exceptional script. And Amy Adams is just on fire in that film. Even though she, again, she's not the lead in that, but she, what an amazing performance and an amazing uh, role, an amazing uh, piece of a triangular relationship in that film.
3: Yeah, it's a great yeah. film though. That's like a theater on screen, you know,
5: mm. that, that's, that's where you go.
0: Uh, the writing, everything. About yeah. I I'm curious. Like we've been talking about the fact that she's. Considered sort of a um, supporting actress, and, and there's so much like on film Twitter and the internet in general about Amy Adams never wins. So, what is your theory about why that's the case? Do you think that she's just so good <laughs> that doesn't appear like I don't know? Why do you think she hasn't topped oh. her awards-wise?
3: Well, why is she Why is she not getting? Or, it's, it's easy to say it's not a choice, uh, an actress and the problems of actresses and, in the business, but but why was she not getting strong lead performances to be nominated? You know, yeah. other than Enchanted, uh Julia Julia. You, you, she's the lead in that, but she's with Meryl Streep. So, what are you supposed to do? But there's not a lot. She does play a lot of supporting roles, and she nails them. But w- was she not getting the part? I,
4: I think if, every time that are nominated, the the problem is there's always that one other performance from either another film or even in the same film, like in The Fighter. Just manages to pip her and 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 gets the narrative in Oscar season. Like the fire became all about Melissa Leo, but I think she, Amy Adams was equally great in that film. But Melissa had the the more Oscar-y kind of performance that just grabbed voters, uh, and 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 it was just kind of unstoppable from there.
1: Oh, yeah, my big chance was with Sugar Ray Leonard. I'm so great, I'm the pride of fucking all. Oh, yeah, I fought Sugar Ray Leonard, I've heard it.
0: I came here to make things right.
1: Okay, let's make things right. Yeah. Number one, you didn't knock down Sugar Ray Leonard, he tripped.
5: I was in a ring, don't you think I know what really fucking happened that day, all right? What have you ever done with your
3: life?
1: I like my life.
5: Yeah, what have you ever done with it?
1: I like my life now, What have I you ever
3: they...
5: done with your
3: life? Your college dropout, Charlene. You're just a little bar girl. Your life sucks.
1: All right. I drank too much. I worked in a lot of bars, and I ruined a lot of opportunities. But I'm trying to do something better here, and so is Mickey. So am I.
4: And I think a lot of people thought maybe Vice was going to be her Oscar Oscar moment because she's playing a real person, and you know it, it's a, it's not a likable character that she managed to to find sympathy for. But then you saw the performance, and it was like, yeah, it was okay. But but there were there were better performances this year. So she she's just always kind of fallen short, and
5: to win, kind of like going close, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I Didn't want yeah. to win. You know, I think I think it also has to do with the types of characters Amy Adams plays and the types of films she chooses. Like, uh, I think a big reason why we all love her performances is, um, for, of course the versatility is is there. But I think it's the sophistication of um what her character is thinking about so a lot of it is i think a lot of people just don't think uh it's shown performance it's more like what the what the script writes her character as mm-hmm. or and or a thematic idea that is being explored behind her performance and as a result i think a lot of people when they think about amy adams they don't think about the performance maybe it's just not as it's just not as showy you know mm-hmm. and
3: mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you think she's not choosing lead roles or do you think she's not get offered like
5: I think one day she's going to do some kind of period piece <laughs> but, and, where uh, it's going to explore the psyche of her character kind of like an arrival but more uh, accessible when it's not more accessible to voters because it's not sci-fi and it's more of a mm. period piece. And if the film gives her an oscar clip moment i i i think it will happen it's kind of like when it's kind of like in 2013 when when everyone i knew was rooting for dicaprio win for wall street and i told them no it's not going to happen and they and they asked me when do you think he'll win i said he needs to be in a movie where he doesn't have to use his attractiveness or his wealth to to attract people so he needs to play someone who's either really really uh poor Or someone who really gets physically messed up, and then the revenant came out a couple of years later.
3: Yeah, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to crawl through shit and fight a bear. Probably. (laughs) That's what you said. I think that's what you said. You're
4: amazing. yeah. And I I think that maybe that's what Amy Adams has to do is to do something dirty or gritty or you know ugly. That that seems to be a good path, and it's kind of similar to what she was doing in Sharp Objects. I think that was a a very uncomfortable yep. performance, and then got completely ignored by the TV award season, which is still baffles me. But that 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 to translate that into a film, maybe somehow, I, I I hate the fact that she she may end up winning like a career achievement award, you know, similar to Julianne Moore or or even a Kate Winslet, where it, it just becomes ridiculous that she still hasn't won, or she could end up like Glenn Close and just keep losing for the next ten years.
5: I. My biggest fear for Amy Adams is, I, I fear that she's labeled as she does the same thing in a lot of her performances. I don't believe this. I don't get this myself. It, it, but I've heard many uh, other people say Amy Adams does this thing where she's, she always like stares off into the distance or she's staring at, at nothing and she has that mm-hmm. blank, blank look. She she often does that. Um, many times the film works in that favor. Like I think Arrival uses that perfectly, but um, I kind of understand where um, the uh, where the other side is thinking. It's kind of like how kind of like how when people think uh, Brad Pitt does the same thing, he 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 gives that same smirk look or Tom Hanks makes the same concerned face in every he's in.
3: <laughs> yeah, I can can't see where you're coming from. I think you're not talking about, obviously, her roles are very diverse anyway, but I would never have anyone call a blank, you know, in front of me, because I'm mm-hmm. one of them, but because I don't think she's. I think she's got something about she can do that kind of team thing without moving a muscle, like, a lot of people can't do that, uh, and she's got that kind of spark uh, in, a lot of, in a lot of film doubt, you know, um, even American Hustle, she's she brings a bit of emotion to that. Strange film.
4: <laughs> you're going to do this because you got no choice. You work for me. You keep changing the rules. You know, you're getting a little power drunk. Richard, you, you, know, you want to tell him anything? You want to wake him up?
1: Oh, no. I said we shouldn't do any of it, Irving. You know I said that. So now I support Richie. He's got vision. Do it heavy or don't do it.
3: Just quickly on American Hustle. What, what, what do you ladies think of American Hustle as a film? And as that leads which is... Her only Oscar lead nomination so far.
0: Oh God! Yeah. Oh boy! Um, Uh-oh. It's one of those movies that I watched <laughs> and I was like, "That was cool," and instantly forgot about it. <laughs> like I, oh my God! Yeah, no, that movie. And I and I do like um, David O. Russell quite a bit, but no, I'm not a fan. <laughs>
2: yeah i'm just quickly looking at like did i see this did i not see this if i have seen it it has clearly not stuck in my mind
3: <laughs> oh oh you, you'll know you've seen it it's got a strange yeah. wings it, and it's I, I think it's a film that's very really trying desperately to be cool and mm. failed um and I happen, i'll happily put the soundtrack on about and i think the four performances are very good um amy adams was the one and when it came out that was a bit sort of how how did she get in for this and after watching it, she kind of holds the film together more than any of the three we We're just kind of fucking about. Um, she's kind of the heart of it, the emotional thing that I mentioned, uh-huh. and I think. Yeah, I, I, I was really impressed. But second time watching it, I still don't really like that film.
4: <laughs> it's still a fun film, and she's great. And I think I, I get why people don't really like her performance. She seems to be all over the place. Like her accent is falling in and out and... She she's doing all sorts of crazy things, but there, there's such a measure that she, she brings to that performance that that is a con, that is what a con artist does. They're always thinking, they're always two steps ahead, and and she she's twisting that narrative. She's in complete control. She's actually the linchpin in that entire narrative. Um, and and you you can't take your eyes off her in that movie. Um, but in terms of the film itself, yeah, it's I can I can see why it didn't win any of those ten Oscar nominations.
3: Yeah, I, th- I thought Jennifer Lawrence might have mm. won, had she not mm-hmm. won be before.
4: Yeah, and she, I mean, she was up against Lupita, which was always, I think, that was always destined to win. But, yeah. Uh, I yeah. think Jennifer yeah. Lawrence won a few that season. It was it was a two-horse race at the end of the day. She, yeah, she had won so recently. She a...
0: won the Globe for American Hustle, which mm. wild, but yeah.
4: I, I think her better performance that year may have actually come in her, which uh, it, it didn't get her a lot of attention because the, the attention was more about Joaquin Phoenix, itself, and and obviously the screenplay. Yeah. Um, but I I loved her like that. That is a real supporting performance because she's she's not in it very much at all. But when she does, like there's such an emotional core to her character. There's such a loneliness and a sadness. And I, I guess that that may be her plus. she can do these sad characters very very well. Um, and I just I loved her performance in that movie.
5: There's a little moment in her that I absolutely adore because it had to it had to be amy adams giving a great performance and the script taking a certain direction and both need to go um in sync which is when when walking phoenix uh uh reveals that he is dating an os to Mm. amy adams's character right and at that very moment you know you don't really know where it's going and you know a film about a man falling in love with os it can easily become a film about society judging the main character and then the film mm-hmm. becomes a thematic exploration but really creates a relationship but no it doesn't go in that direction instead joaquin says he's dating an os and amy adams's reaction is instantly really what is that like <laughs> and that's when i and that's when i knew like oh this film is very special it's really like, accepting it by having amy adams's character written that way so open accepting and she really is the person who connects with Joaquin at the end of the day, if you mm-hmm. eliminate that OS, I think it makes that film so much more meaningful than the gimmick of, oh, her is about a film where a guy dates an OS.
3: What a film. Let's quickly wrap up with 2016. I know we've touched on Arrival and, and Nocturnal Animals. I think two very significant films. Um, just quickly on Nocturnal Animals, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of the film, but I am a huge fan of of her in this. Uh, Shadan, you mentioned you're a fan of this film. What, what do you love about this and have fun? Um,
0: well, I love that I... I don't know. I just never thought what was going to happen. And I think she kind of plays like a I despic- I don't know, like a character that's a little bit nasty. But for some reason, I just... Maybe it's because of my own personal love for Amy Adams. But I feel <laughs> like I always root for her even when she finds a character that I don't like. I want her to succeed. And like just the ending of like she kind of is lonely I don't know again I guess she does play a lot of lonely characters but she brings such a humanity and um to all of her characters and and, and empathy and I don't know I just I, I really love that movie and she's so visually striking with the red hair in that film.
1: It's weird I've been thinking about him a lot lately and then recently he sent me this book that he's written and it's violent and it's sad and he titled it nocturnal animals and he dedicated it to me did you love him yeah i loved him he was a writer and uh i didn't have faith in him i panicked and i did something horrible to him something unforgivable
0: really i do like that she i mean she seems to want to be doing different things and i feel like nocturnal animals is just different from her other project even if she's playing characters that might be a little bit similar her movies are just so different and i think nocturnal animals just as a film whether you like it or not is very
3: unique so i mean just in this revival uh, uh, kevin what why why was she not nominated i'm, I'm not blaming you i'm just <laughs> <not> <laughs> but it, I, the know, more i think about it the more upset because i think that was not like even a strong year mm-hmm. as it turned out so what what happened it can't just be the sci-fi thing.
5: you yeah. know i i think i i think it goes back to uh, what I said about the, that book stare that Amy Adams does—I think a lot of people just don't see that as a good performance, or either that, or they think the film is the film is great because of other things. Not—it's not—it uh, doesn't put Amy Adams front and center, uh, I guess.
4: Yeah, I, I was going to yeah, say, I think yeah, I, yeah, it's too it's too subtle a performance. I think for for something like the Oscars, when you look at the five performances that were nominated. They all had a big scene. They all had a big moment. They all had something that grabbed her attention. And I, I think a lot of people loved arrival clearly with the number of nominations it got, but they just, I don't know. It, it just seemed too, too natural, too simple to uh, not show enough. And, and often those are the greatest yeah. performances when, when you're not realizing, as I said before, that, that she's acting, that, that, that that's where she comes alive. And that isn't enough for Academy voters. Some years, where if if it, if it was a lighter year, maybe that she she would still get in. But when they're looking at who who they want to nominate, it's the big moments that 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 stand out when they come to to uh, vote on their ballot. And unfortunately, she just missed out that year. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree you know with what this. That is so like?
5: It's also like if the Academy nominated Brad Pitt at Astra, mm. which. Yeah, I I, yes, think, exactly. I I also That's thought that. Brad Pitt was exceptional. I, I also thought Brad Pitt was exceptional in Ad Astra, but I can understand a lot of uh voters thinking that film actually lives inside the character's head a lot and that film uses narration a lot and so yeah. they uh, people just might not think it's shown to the surface a, a, in an exterior performance. So so they ended up choosing Brad Pitt for once upon a time in Hollywood and not Ad Astra.
2: She just get nominated for from other things so BAFTA and critics choice and that sort of thing so is it just the difference of the awards in particular choosing more showy performances Mm.
3: yeah i think that's i think so because as well it plays a part like acting sci-fi what
4: Mm. (laughs) i mean you think that Meryl Streep got in that year for Florence Foster Jenkins so oh god that's (laughs)
5: ridiculous the Academy has uh, like if you look at who they've nominated and who they've voted for as the winner, they definitely have a pattern. They don't they don't favor sanction films, they don't favor horror thrillers, they favor uh they favor showy performances. Uh with, with, you know, Joaquin Phoenix is definitely going to win the Oscar this year when any other year it should have went to Adam Driver. <clears throat> yeah. And Yeah, I I think the Academy just has a pattern, you know, when I I remember watching, uh, I think I've seen Arrival three or four times, and every time I watch it, I think, what a masterpiece that is so not Oscar material.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, Hannah, this is where your story begins, the day they departed.
4: You
1: right. Despite knowing the journey, and where it leads, I embrace it. And I welcome every moment of it. It's okay.
5: One thing I wanted to give a shout out to for Arrival is the editing. I think probably the thing that made that film work so well emotionally, it had to, it had to, it, it had to be uh, perfect in the editing department for that reveal to truly land. Yeah, yeah those sequences.
3: Are, uh, yeah, I mean that's something else i was mentioned about Denis Villeneuve's <coughs> films is his editing. Yeah, mm. uh, P- Prisoners is, is what I, I remembered. I watched it recently. The, the editing in that film press sequence at the end, absolutely perfect.
5: Yeah, fantastic stuff. Yes, yeah, great film. Fantastic stuff, and I, I want to give a shout out to to the editing in Enemy as well. I think I think uh, Enemy worked really well because of it.
3: What I will say as well is, is the film is making now, Doom, which is which Lynch has done obviously, and it's, it's people know the story. I think people are looking forward to this movie not because of the cast not because of the the film or David Lynch or anything like that, it's because of this guy that's making it. And I, and I don't think a lot of people even realise that's why they're looking forward to it. Because I look at this filmography and I can't wait to see what he does next. I
0: completely agree, yeah.
5: I, agree. I, yeah. I, I hope for the say. best for, for Dune. I, I think Dune is either going to be his best science fiction film to date or it's going to be one of those examples where uh, the critics think it's great but his weakest science fiction film and then there's that small but loud minority who thinks no one's wrong Dune is the best thing he's ever made
3: that's probably what will happen as well it'll just divide Villeneuve fans yeah, yeah, and I know he, he makes a grand thriller straight after
5: yeah, oh, yeah that, exactly I was going to say that next I hope that when, <laughs> when he's done with Dune that he goes back to non-science fiction if he just goes back to a thriller that'd be great oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. But- Great choice, I mean, great great choice, filmmaker. It just seems obvious now, and Amy Adams as well. Arrival seems like the perfect film for us all to watch now, but it's both, so I I can't really argue with those choices. I I, I think I picked Lanthimos, the Greek. He'd be my my choice. He was my choice, but I can't argue with this guy. This has been a great discussion. Thank you very much for joining me all of you, Amy Adams, Amy Mm -hmm. Adams fans, and Denise Uh, Velenueve. The French Right then. So, thank you, Cass. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Shadam. Thank you, Doug.
0: Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Indigo, you only
3: kissed me.
0: Paradise smiled, and the man was a child.